Hello there, and welcome back to Tales from a Cult Insider. I am still your insider, although I'm out, and former unwilling cultist Jared Garrett. I'm here to whine at you about my childhood. Okay, that's not true. I'm here to tell you lots of stories. As most of you delightful listeners know by now, I was born and raised in a cult. Remember, I've recently updated this intro, so if you haven't heard it for yet, stick around, because I've got a few updated details. Raised in a cult, it was a real-life commune and cult. Crazy, right? It started out in the 60s as an offshoot of Scientology called the Process Church of the Final Judgment, and was one of the more infamous cults in the UK and the USA for a little while there. When I was born, like practically the day of, the cult broke apart into these into those dedicated to the process, so to speak, and those who made a new culty commune thing called the Foundation Faith of the Millennium, which evolved over the years and finally morphed into Best Friends Animal Society. I'm here to tell you all about being a kid in this somewhat strange, secretive, religious commune. As always, your questions will be answered, so don't hesitate to ask. You can contact me, as always, at jared at jaredgarrett.com. Comments, questions, fire them away. I also do speaking engagements, and you can reach me at the same email for any other reason. If you just want to chat, whatever. Take me to lunch. I'll take lunch as long as it's Thai food or something else that doesn't cost you a fortune. Uh, keep in mind, you can support this podcast by clicking on the link below. Help me pay a couple of bills. It's great stuff. And as always, in the middle of this thing, you're going to hear an ad probably. Uh, that's just fine. I hope you don't mind. But today's episode is a big fun one. I'm gonna, it's kind of a list in a way. Hey, no questions recently. So that's kind of cool, but also sad. Guys, if you have questions, send them my way. I want to answer them. Um, and who knows, it might become a full episode. So this, this one was inspired by all the talking I do about Best Friends Animal Society. I've talked about how the cult morphed into um, a full-time, full-on, incredible operation called Best Friends Animal Society. But really, my whole life, all I knew was a house full of dogs and cats. Living together, mass hysteria, hence the episode name. It is episode 18, Dogs and Cats Living Together. Now, if you listened to episode 17, which if you haven't, I don't understand what you're doing with your life, guys. In any case, if you listen to that, I actually teased this one by saying All the Dead and Dying was the title. But I decided I would upgrade the title because that sounds a little depressing, honestly. Now, it's still gonna, I'm still going to cover the same matter. We're still going to talk about all the dead and dying animals that uh, I experienced growing up. Because uh, that's just going to be a natural, uh, essentially, experience, right? I mean, you grow up being surrounded by d- dogs and cats being rescued. Uh, not all of them are going to make it. Some of them are going to come in sick. To the, to the home or to whatever. And so uh, some of them are going to die. Some of them are, are going to die. Apparently I can't enunciate properly today, but I can. I will do better. So today's episode is about the dogs and cats with which I lived. Um, there were many of them. And at times there were birds, uh, parakeets. Um, let's see, there were never really fish, uh, which is fine by me. I guess, no, we did have fi- a fish tank once at Dixie for... I don't know, a couple years. And, you know, he was intermittently stocked with new fish and stuff. And I guess some of us said we adopted a few of those fish. I don't know. Uh, but mostly, no, it was the furry kind of animals. Dogs and cats. Um, of varying ages, sizes, colorings, um, models, you could say. Uh, breeds. Mostly mutts. Um, took in quite a few cats off the street. 
there were a lot of kittens, a lot of puppies, a lot of grown animals, everything. So I experienced many. And I've talked a bit about some of my interactions with these dogs um, back when I was, you know, scooping crap at, on Best Friends uh, property in the dog area, which is now called Dogtown, as far as I know. Uh, but I mean, I, I was surrounded by dogs growing and cats growing up. I mean, from, from the earliest age, I can remember being surrounded by cats and dogs. So, I mean, in New York, we had animals. There were German shepherds everywhere. Uh, a couple of people had Doberman pinchers. I was terrified of those suckers, man. They could bark so loud. Mercy. Um, let, let's see here. Some people had chihuahuas, which I never got along with. I don't like chihuahuas. Never have. Uh, somebody was very devoted to her wiener dog. Um, and my mother uh, was into German Shepherds, and then she was into Boxers, and then she was into, well, every kind of dog you can think of, my friends. Liter literally every kind of dog. I've seen them. Golden Retrievers, Irish Wolfhounds, Whippets, Greyhounds, all of them. So the most annoying dog for me is a Chihuahua uh, because it's so yappy. But the dog that bit me the most was a, a kind of a pug type ugly sucker called Santini. Man, that dog just didn't like me. Either that or it didn't like my knees, my right knee to be specific. It, like every other time I saw it, it would chomp at me and it would go for my right knee. And it got me a couple of times. And the reason I had to get in the same presence as this dog is because sometimes I was, I was assigned, I was assigned, ordered, made to by the owner of this dog, go feed the dog or walk the dog or um, get something from their room. And this person knew that this dog kept biting me. They didn't give a flying crap. So there I was getting bitten by Santini. Irritating. I believe, I believe that's a really stupid name because, or really an unjust name, let me say, because I'm pretty sure Santini is the name of the best friend of the character in Airwolf, the main character, Stringfellow Hawk. Um, yeah, pretty sure that's true. And I loved Airwolf for all of its stupidity. I loved that show. And Stringfellow Hawk was an enigmatic hero that I wanted to emulate. Always, guys. Always! So Santini was an unjust name for that evil little dog. Um, in any case, we're going to start it with some fun stories about some of the more interesting animals that I interacted with. And sometimes we'll talk a bit about their demise. So let's get started with Boris, the delightful Boston Terrier. Now, uh, this dog... If you don't know what a Boston Terrier is, imagine a bulldog that's a lot sprier in looks. Uh, nowhere near as wide or fat, but it's got the beautiful pug, bulldog, bulldog face, that squashed thing, you know. It's kind of squashed up in there, and it's got kind of crooked-looking <laughs> crooked eyes and uh, a snorty, snorty snout, uh, delightful ears. And this, this Boris, this bulldog, he was springy. He was, he was a lively pooch, and he was so much fun. Now, he was the dog of... Um, Joan, named Julia in the cult, uh, who is the mother of three of the delightful people that I got to grow up with, uh, the twins and their sister. Um, and Boris often got to spend that time with the twins because I mean, he was their mother's dog and their mother treated them like her kids, which is great and awesome. She ended up spending quite a lot of time in Dallas uh, and I, stuff like that. But Boris was great. He was friendly. He knew a couple of cool tricks, like he, could, he would fetch, he would jump up and down, he would bark at you, he'd play with you. He was great fun to play tug-of-war with. What a great, great dog. I don't know what became of Boris, but I loved that animal. Uh, and the twins sure loved him too. Um, great, great pooch. And I think Boris was a very appropriate name for him. Um, I don't know why, but it really suited him well. And then there was the most annoying wiener dog you ever did meet called Humphrey. 
Yeah, it's Humphrey. Uh, as in Humphrey Bogart. Uh, we'll get back to Bogart in a minute. Uh, Humphrey was a wiener dog, you know, just as, as exactly as you would expect, but not just like the, the pale brown or the dark brown even. He had the kind of very dark, dark, dark brown markings that looked almost black, plus some paler coloring um, and markings, stomach and on some legs and on the snout. And uh, Humphrey was just an angry, angry dog. Uh, Estelle's dog, I believe, if I remember right. Estelle was a sweet lady sometimes, but with a temper. And um, smart, uh, very driven, very devoted, uh, whose health uh, failed um, here and there. Uh, and and uh, until some, sometime after the cult fell away or fell apart, uh, she, uh, she moved to Hawaii, I guess. And that's where she spent her last years. But I, I don't know what became of Humphrey by any means. I, didn't re I don't really care. Um, not to be callous or anything, but Humphrey was just an always angry dog. I never had any kind of positive react interaction with that dog. A lot like Santini. And I have a bit of an association between, honestly, Humphrey and Santini. I don't know if they were like sibling dogs owned by Estelle. And if so, why did she have such terrible taste in dogs? Because Estelle was really a f perfectly fine human being. So those dogs weren't reflections of her by, by any stretch of the imagination. But man, Humphrey was just as pointy angry little thing that would yap at me and flap his ears at me and try to get me and run after me. And man, I was a little kid some, you know, for a little while there. I didn't know how to deal with dogs all the time. I only learned that when I was about 13 or 14. You know what? Actually, more like 15 or 16, to be honest. And so, um, yeah, Humphrey was, I didn't like him and I was scared of him because he was just aggressive and mean to me. Yeah, he's small. And so, yeah, he could bite my ankles, but he'd bite, he would bite my ankles hard, guys. Come on. Uh, you understand. So Humphrey, the annoying wiener dog. Then there was actually a dog named Bogart. Yeah, you guessed it. Now, it, it's possible that Bogart was also owned by Estelle, but I don't think so. I think that this was just like an association, you know, Humphrey and Bogart. Uh, Bogart was uh, not a wiener dog. Bogart was also, though, a different looking dog. He was a basset hound, uh, kind of a, oh, a maple brown type of uh, basset, really, really a nice color on him when he was younger and healthier. Um, he was a generally pleasant dog. He 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 tried to please you. He would try to play with you, but you know, I really more interacted more with him when he was a little more aged. Um, and um, you know what? Let's just get right into to, to Bogart and um, and what happened to him. So um, Bogart. He came over to live at Dixie full-time at some point. Uh, Dixie, of course, being the house in Dallas. And I've described this, the, the layout of this house on purpose. I mentioned a utility room um, through which you would cross. Uh, so if you went in the back door of Dixie, you'd cross through this this utility room. But you could also just not cross through, through the utility room. You could just take a quick left. And that's the door to the room where I spent um, two years, I think it was, with a, a bunch of other boys, about five or six other boys. But at one point when... Um, we were all essentially living upstairs. Bogart came to live full time there at Dixie and Bogart did not wander the house at Dixie. Bogart was confined to a wood and, um, fairly heavy chicken wire type mesh pen in the utility room. Yeah. So picture a utility room. You know, which has got what you would expect. It's got a furnace boiler type thing. It's got a water heater. I don't think, not a boiler, definitely a water heater, very old water heater and a furnace for the heat. Although we didn't need heat much. No, there was no furnace, was there? I'm imagining things there. There was no space for one. What am I saying? There was a deep uh, sink for laundry, but there was also a washer and a dryer. That's what I was picturing. Yeah, it's a washer and dryer. 
Um, but overall, a fairly empty space. Um, there's a big, nice drain in the ground with a with a, a drain cover, uh, but also a bedroom just off there that a couple of the older boys were sleeping in at that point. Um, Bogart was put in a pen that essentially stuck out right from the wall, uh, perpendicular to the wall at right angles, right? So he <laughs> immediately went upon moving in with this weird pen, uh, took up a significant portion of the utility room, and you always had to go around Bogart's pen. Bogart lived there for a year, two years maybe, like that. Food and water in there. Um, we rotated. Uh, it, was, it was one of the chores that we added to the rotation was to take Bogart out. Um, and have him do his business. And um, that was back before the time where all the requirements were to pick up your dog's crap. Um, and so I don't remember picking up his crap, but I bet we did. Uh, I mean, we often had to poop scoop the yard at Dixie because there were plenty of dogs that were digging, doing their business out there. In any case, so Bogart, we would, we'd have to uh, reach down, pick him up. I don't think there was a door on that pen, if I recall. We'd have to pick him up out of there, and then we would um, haul him out outside and have him do his thing and then we'd take him back to his pen and that was that. That was Bogart's life. Um, I do have a few memories of reaching down and giving him some love, um, spending, you know, 20, 30 minutes just petting him and talking to him and stuff because the poor poor guy was kind of lonely. He was aging, right? Uh, the gray around the muzzle, um, having trouble getting around because of his arthritis um, and stuff. And I really don't know why he came to Dixie to live out the last of his years. It was like the dog went into hospice or something. But we weren't specialists in keeping a dog happy. Um, but I hope that he had some happiness there with, I mean, there were plenty of boys who doted on him here and there. But as he, you know, degenerated and got worse and worse, you know, which is I just redundant. There you go. I redundanted, guys. I verbed, I verbed that word. Um, I said something redundant. Apologies. In any case, as he got worse, this dog, this poor basset hound, uh, he, he, he couldn't move around anymore, but he would just bark in grumpy agitation sometimes. Uh, so we'd take him out and boy, he, we'd often have to clean out his pen because he was doing his business right there. And it was, mm, it got progressively grosser. Uh, and he got progressively smellier, unfortunately. That poor, poor animal. And uh, eventually, uh, over a couple of nights, um, he stopped moving uh, very much, but he was still around. He was still kicking and he would bark. And he would bark. And it was an a sad, pitiful bark, and he would kick a little and bark, and he wasn't drinking and he wasn't eating, and he was clearly on the way out. And then one night, we heard him yap a few times, and it was late, and in the morning we found him, and he had shuffled off, uh, and unfortunately had shuffled off in his last moment, of, as all, pretty much all mammals do, they release their bowels, and he was in a mess. So... The final memory of Bogart was hauling him out of there and cleaning up the terrible, terrible mess that he'd made there in his final seconds. Um, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, so we're gonna um, we're gonna hopefully bring things back here together and talk about some happy uh, experiences with other dogs, some funny experiences here, and with some cats too, guys. There were cats involved as well. Alrighty, as promised, we're going to get to some uh, somewhat more interesting, well, maybe not more interesting, but hopefully more uplifting or fun experiences with the animals that I got to be, hang around with. Uh, Bogart was a sad, a sad story. And yeah, final note on Bogart. <clears throat> I don't know, again, really why his last days, his last uh, months or even year or two was spent that way. And I don't know why they didn't put him down. That's the thing that they didn't do very well. And I'm not sure what their policy is now. I assume they're much more humane now. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Bogart should have been 
Bogart should have been put down. Um, or at least some medication to, to better serve him and help him to be in more um, comfort. In any case, I saw several times uh, aging dogs not uh, being allowed to die with some dignity. So uh, we'll move on to uh, Amy real quick. Just a quick story. She liked to eat flies. Amy was my oldest brother, Daniel. She, uh, she was his dog. She was like a she was a Doberman, but she wasn't like a Doberman pincher, one of those tight, taut killing machines, which aren't killing machines, guys. They're not, but they are very uh, iconically mean looking and they're obviously guard dogs and they're very smart and strong and fast and, and obedient uh De amy wasn't a pincher but she was a doberman uh maybe a mix with something else she had the shorter hair but kind of more like a shepherd, german shepherd uh coloring sweet sweet natured dog daniel's dog and he would catch flies right out of the air uh, when we were in pennsylvania and feed them to her and my mom daniel left you know when he was 16 ish um, and, but my mom kept Amy until she passed. I mean, I saw Amy, uh, let's see, uh, I, I stopped seeing Amy when, uh, I left Pennsylvania when I was near eight, went to Denver. Uh, but then the first time I went to best friends, which is where my mom wound up and spent the rest of her, her years. Um, she had Amy. Uh, I think I was, gosh, I was 13, maybe, maybe 13. The first time I went out there and Amy was there and I was delighted to see her. Great dog, sweet, sweet dog. Um, and she spent her last years in a beautiful outdoor kennel, essentially, uh, where she got to run around and play with other dogs and just a happy, happy animal. I liked Amy a whole lot. I know she had puppies once. I don't remember the names of those puppies, uh, but they were mutts. Then there was uh, one puppy that was born in Pennsylvania. I uh, don't remember her like progeny or her lineage or anything, but it was a really hideous, <laughs> curly-haired uh, mutt of a dog. Uh, which we named Millie, um, and Millie was sweet, and I got to know Millie really well. I hung out with Millie a lot as she grew up, and as she was actually taken in and adopted as the uh, dog of my dad, who I had either just recently learned or would soon learn was my dad. I can't keep that straight in my brain. I have to ask my dad because he'll probably remember better. I was a kid. Yeah, Millie became my dad's dog for years to the point that she... She, he still had Millie when um, when everything fell apart and when he was uh, living in uh, downtown, 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 in Kanab uh, with his uh, delightful wife, Susan, and their daughter, Emma, um, when I moved in with them uh, after getting out, which is another episode, possibly several episodes. Uh, Millie was still there, uh, really hideous, uh, somewhat disobedient, but really eager to please uh, dog. She was sweet, lovely, had a lot of walks with her, picked up a lot of her crap. Played a lot with her. Um, she was hilarious. Uh, one one time in Pennsylvania, some dogs were born. I believe it was Pennsylvania. Gosh, I, I mean, every countryside feels like Pennsylvania, but I know some of it wasn't. But I was old enough to be involved here. So I think it was Pennsylvania. Either that or it was Angel Mountain, which was uh, in the rural eastern part of New York State. Uh, some mama dog had puppies. They were sweet. Uh, shepherd, uh, little collie healer lab mixes they were just a, just a huge old a mixture of stuff just months and one of the dogs was named george and i was allowed to name another dog and it turned out I, the dog that i got to name was george's twin but it was a sister so can you guess what i named that dog i named that dog georgette and that dog i had felt a little ownership because i named that dog but you know what happened? It turned out that Georgette was the name of a friend or a relative or something of one of the people there 
of Pennsylvania. So they were like, nope, we're not naming that dog Georgette. And that dog was named Georgina after that. And Georgina was eventually, I believe, adopted by even Kara. And Kara is so sweet and such a wonderful uh, animal owner. And she's a great mom, too. And, um, yeah, so Georgina had a great life for years and years. And, and I feel still a little bit of kinship with that poochie because I at least started her name. Now, guys, I'm just going to say I, I was a dingus back then. I don't. I know now that you shouldn't be naming a female dog or any female a boy's name, uh, but making it a version, a girl's version, like like Georgette, Georgina, uh, Paulina. That's silly. Just give her her own name. Um, obviously, people can name their kids whatever they want to name them, and spell those names however they want. I live in Utah. I've seen some very strange spellings, but that's Georgette slash Georgina. Great doggy. Uh, really liked her. Um, moving on. Okay. Now, we've talked a lot about dogs, and we're going to probably talk about dogs again. But i got to tell you, boy, before time wastes completely, i got to tell you about Christopher, the world's most perfect cat ever. So, Christopher was a rescue. I believe that Christopher actually latched onto Joanna's pant leg one day as she was walking past some hedges, and Christopher, like, leapt out and grabbed her and... Uh, I don't think Dixie had anything in the way of cats, so they brought this cat over, wasn't named yet, of course, to the house where the boys lived. Uh, many of us insanely rambunctious kids who were being wildly neglected, of course, but some of us were wildly uh, rambunctious, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds who had no inkling of being careful. I, or at least we didn't. We did have an inkling, but we certainly didn't choose to. This cat we named Christopher. Uh... The twins and Mark and Isaac and I, we, we doted the crap out on this cat. This cat was sweet. This cat would, would was very affectionate. And as this cat grew up, it became regal, man. You could It would sit there and it would kind of look like a king, like it ruled the land. But it was also really sweet and affectionate and it came when you called. And we, we, we horsed around with this cat. We played at like great length. I mean, just rough and tumble play with this cat. Christopher was the best. And do I know what happened to Christopher? I do not. And that bothers me a little bit. But man, that was the only cat that I ever really loved. What a sweet, sweet-natured, wonderful, tough, mean old, wonderful, great cat. Mouser, for sure. He got a lot of mice. Great cat. Loved it. And why? It was as affectionate and loving and responsive as a dog. But it cleaned up after itself, guys. So, go cats, go. Alrighty. Uh, then let's uh, let's see here. Oh, I should tell... Mm, yeah, right time is wasting, so I'm going to have to tell you a few more things here real quick. There was this time that... Um, some puppies were rescued, and um, I think most, all of them died except for one of them. It was, yeah. And Dixie had a, a, a garage. You could go out the back door, uh, go down kind of a, a concrete flat area, and then you'd end up in the driveway, which led up to this creaky falling over garage. The garage never fell over. But on the one side of the garage that also, that was, that faced the yard that was at the side of Dixie was a shed. It was, um, kind of a storage shed, but it was restored type of sort of thing. We cleaned it up and repaired it all. And I think somebody even ended up living there for a little while. Um, but at, some, at one point, you know, these puppies came in and all the puppies died except for the one. This one puppy was in there. Um, it it turned out it might have been a little sick, but we thought it was just like a cold so it would get recovered. But I was assigned to go clean that room that it was in. Um, and uh, I loved that dog. I thought it was the sweetest, cutest little puppy. But I, I was careless, man. Um, and as I was wringing out the mop that I was using to do finish up my cleaning, a little bit of cleaning, like cleaning fluid in there, it um a little drop. I, th 
I could have sworn a little drop splashed on its face and that maybe even into its mouth. And um, that the puppy deteriorated over the next few days and um, dragged itself around on its front legs as it got more and more starved and, and, and dehydrated and lacking of energy. And guys, it passed away a few days later and I was torn, man. I was so broken by that because I thought I killed that dog. I thought I'd poisoned that poor puppy and it had died because of me. And that only ha went away some years ago when I finally learned what parvo was and remembered the whole event or all the events, which was that all of its siblings had died. Yeah, parvo, wildly contagious dog disease, man, and even cats. Terrible, terrible, debilitating disease, hard to, hard to solve even today, although they, they're much better about fixing it now. Yep, I spent years uh, torn up with guilt that, that I had killed that, poisoned that dog to death. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't. Um, glad I did, I, you know, <laughs> that the guilt is able to go away. Gotta mention Dinsdale. Dinsdale was Mark's dog. I don't know how he got a dog, but boy, he's great. Mark was a great dog owner. He, he, uh, he treated the dogs like his equal, like his pals, you know, but also like they were supposed to be obedient to him. So he got Dinsdale really, really obedient. Mark was firmly the alpha there. But he would call Dinsdale all kinds of uh, nicknames. Anything that started with D, he'd say, D, D. Uh, and he would squeak at him and whistle at him and call at him. And Dinsdale was an eager to please, hilariously ugly, beautiful, wonderful dog. Man, we had a lot of fun with that, fun with that dog. I was happy to be on a top bunk, though, because that dog was never on my bed. I don't like animals on my bed, guys. I don't like their hair. Uh, Dinsdale was forgiving. Mark would get uh, maybe sometimes a little too rough. Uh, I would get a little too rough. We'd all get a little too rough, probably. But Dinsdale was sweet. Just like any dog. Dogs are like like love golems, right? I mean, they're just an endless fonts of love and happy and good. Uh, we're, they're too good for us. Anyway, Dinsdale was great. Then there was Amra, the most perfect dog ever. Amra was uh, Tim's dad's dog. Um, <clears throat> big, giant Alaskan Malamute. Beautiful burgundy, brown, gray color. You know, just swaths of these, this color with some beautiful regal white on his chest and arm and front legs and, and, and under his face. Beautiful, beautiful dog and round and big. And Amra means lion. And Damon would call, Tim's dad would call him with a whistle like this. Or something like that. That was a weird buzz. I'm sorry, guys. And that dog would come to him. And everybody tried to imitate that whistle, but only Tim could do it, I believe. And I never did it. But Amber was great. Uh, sweet. Uh, fun. You could wrestle him. And he was gentle with you. But, man, just a 80, 100, 120-pound dog. Uh, it beat you a lot, man. That dog was beautiful. Uh, I, I got, a lot of the time I spent in Dogtown, I would ha play with uh, Amra. And Rhonda, there's even a section, I think, called Rhonda, named after that hilarious tiny little dog that seemed to rule the area for a little while. Um, Chewbacca was a dog that we had a lot. He was around for a long time. I know he was in Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure he was in Angel Mountain. Uh, in Pennsylvania, they, he would, just this giant dog, bigger than Amber, right? Uh, big, fairy, or hairy, furry dog. Lots of hair that uh, looked like Chewbacca. I mean, so hence the name. Chained up to a tree. But with long chains, so he, you know, could get around and, and see the world and at least, you know, not just be totally trapped entirely. But he broke that chain a lot. I guess he could get a lot of momentum and he just snapped that chain. So he got away a lot, uh, got in a lot of trouble with uh, neighbors, uh, got hit by a car several times and eventually um, gave up the ghost after getting hit by a car, if I recall right. Um, and then um, talked about Bogart already. Uh, need to leave a couple minutes for the last one. But then there was a German Shepherd owned by uh, the caretaker there at Dixie. 
uh, good man, you know, uh, did his very best, I think. Um, but, I mean, what are you going to do? The cult was the cult. The commune was the commune. He had a dog. A uh, sweet German shepherd that aged and aged and aged and aged and aged. And the cult never put dogs down. So at least that one got lots of painkillers and other medication to make its life more comfortable as it got old. But big knobs on its joints as it got terrible arthritis to the point where it couldn't move around. And so um, he got carried around. And um, it's, it's hard to see these beautiful, wonderful dogs who just depend so much on us not get maybe a little bit more dignity and suffer. Uh, so that was always bothering to me. Um, poor Poochie, just like Bogart a little bit. Although again, a little better treatment because really his owner doted on him. And then let's end with a story about a cat. Why? Because this cat is hilarious and dumb. Uh, and the owner was insane. So I talked about Lucia, uh, the rather megalomaniacal uh, leader of Dallas, who browbeat adults into submission and into misery to the point they eventually walked out. Another part of a story down the road uh, was terrible to us, you know, verbally and, and emotionally abused us all the time. Uh, her husband did some physical abuse here and there. Um, she had a cat. It was a jet black cat. She also had a whippet, and it was bloody annoying. Uh, that whippet looked stressed beyond all description all the time. That's partly because whippets have bug eyes, and the bug eye is just an iconic stressed look. But she had a jet black cat, completely black, right, with the beautiful green eyes. And the cat was quite sweet, albeit kind of irritating sometimes, just as cats are. It didn't purr a whole lot that I recall. I didn't spend a whole lot of time with it. But, you know, I was bemused. Uh, I thought it had such a strange name when I first moved to Dallas. And, uh, you know, I, I used that name a few times and thought, oh, that's a funny name. It's a funny sounding name. I wonder what it means. Um, and um, finally, after some time, I I thought, you know, I, I could, could swear that I've heard this word before that this that is this cat's name. I, what what do I do here? I got to figure this out. So finally, I took uh, this word. I went, I went to I was going to the library a lot. I ended up going to the um, to the downtown uh, public library in Dallas. I was probably 15 and um, maybe 16 at that time. But yeah, Matthias and I went downtown to the public library quite a lot. And then he left, he moved on because he graduated and I did it myself. And on one of those research trips, I discovered that this cat, the name was deeply, deeply disturbing. The cat's name, uh, drum roll please, was Waffen. That is a W-A-F-F-E-N. The cat's name was Waffen. Guys, that's like naming your cat Sirhan Sirhan but worse, right? It's like naming your cat Gestapo, but even worse, right? Or Mao or Che Guevara or Stalin. Dudes, the Waffen was Hitler's like Nazi assassin squad, man. The, the Waffen SS. And she named her cat Waffen. What is that? What is that? I don't get that. I don't know whatever happened to Waffen. It'd be a perfectly normal cat, but it is not normal to name your cat after a death squad run by Hitler. And on that note, that's the end of this episode. Uh, next episode is going to be possibly a two-parter. Uh, it's called No Idea How to Mourn. I'm a little nervous about it, but it's high time. It's important for you to know uh, this stuff if you want to keep following the story of Jared growing up in the cult. As always, thank you so much for listening. Guys, thank you so much for telling your friends. I don't know how the word's spreading, but it's spreading. Keep spreading the word. I'd love to have this podcast take off a little more. Uh, I'd like, I'm trying to see if I can do a really cool uh, session of recording it live at an event coming up uh, later in the year. 
Uh, so keep telling, spreading the word and we'll see if we can make that happen. In the meantime, click on the support thing to support. Uh, tell your friends and come back for more stories for episode 19 called No Idea How to Mourn next week. Thanks. Sleep well, my friends. <laughs>